Well, welcome to each and every one of you as we uh, share together in uh, a celebration of Palm Sunday. We know this is a very special day. It is the day that we observe uh, Christ uh, coming into the uh, city of Jerusalem there at the beginning of Passover. And as uh, Jesus uh, comes into Jerusalem, he is uh, met with uh, loud hosannas. We have uh, used that word liberally today, and so we should. All of this brings us to the place of uh, offering our praise, our thanksgiving to God, doing that sincerely as we anticipate the days ahead. They are important indeed. We, uh, we seek to walk with Christ all through until that uh, great triumphant day where we celebrate his uh, resurrection from the dead. But today we read uh, that account from Mark, as we have uh, been studying from Mark uh, all through the season of Lent. Today, uh, Mark, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Let's hear this from God's Word. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And first, as you enter it, you will find a, a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches, they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who, who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us as we... Uh, seek to um, understand God's Word for our lives, and even more importantly, seek to take our lives and apply them to it. May God bless each and every one of us. It wasn't all that long ago, believe it or not, that we were singing Christmas carols. One in particular was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Gave us opportunity to give uh, glory to the newborn king. We remember during that Christmas season the melody of the, of the angels upon the birth of Christ. It uh, goes like this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those he favors. Yeah, it wasn't all that long ago that we were singing songs such as this. The refrain of the angels was a refrain of hope that honored the long-awaited king who had finally come. So let's, uh, 
let's fast forward 33 years after the birth of Jesus, and, and the same sort of refrain was repeated, this time by a, a group of faithful followers who witnessed Jesus making his way into Jerusalem near the beginning of Passover week. Theirs was the refrain of, of honoring a coming king. Instead of a newborn king, the life of this king would soon be drawing to a close. Hosanna, they shouted. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna was the perfect word for Christ's triumphant entry. Hosanna is, uh, is a Hebrew word that, that mixes exuberant praise with the hope that God will bring salvation. And indeed, it is Jesus that is worthy of our praise and is certainly the one that ushers in once and for all the opportunity for salvation. The people who gathered there along the, the streets as Jesus entered Jerusalem were asking for the very thing they needed. Their shout was, Hosanna, save and save now. That was the very thing that Jesus came to deliver. And it, it is the very thing that he offers to our lives. It is the very thing that we need. And so as we shout today, Hosanna, save us now. As we offer our praises to God, we, we begin to realize that the salvation offered in Jesus is the very thing we need as well. Save us now, Lord. Save us now. From beginning to end, Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. In fact, he, he stamps the, the, very, uh, the very theme of his ministry. It's noted in the, the, the gospel of Mark. Repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. At the beginning of his ministry, there at Mark 1.15, he, he's very clear, calling on the people to repent because the kingdom of God was being ushered in. Now at the end of his life, Jesus was still all about the kingdom. He went to great lengths to make sure that there was no confusion about what he was sent to do. Jesus was, was well aware that there were many who had thoughts that were quite different than his about the coming kingdom. Some, some of those people very well may have been included in, in his circle of disciples. Those folks that were looking for the kingdom, at, at least in their mind, were, were thinking of, of one who would come and, and overthrow Ro Roman domination. Interestingly, those people came by those thoughts quite honestly. A couple of hundred years before Jesus, a fellow by the name of Judas Maccabeus held off another fellow by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, whose every desire it was to, to wipe out the Jewish culture and religion and to replace it with, uh, with all things Greek. Antiochus Epiphanes was the one who, who desecrated the temple by sacrificing 
pigs on the altar of God. But it was Judas Maccabeus that defeated Antiochus. And he was welcomed into Jerusalem as a conquering hero. In 1 Maccabees 13.51, a, a book in the Apocrypha, we find that, that Judas Maccabeus was received with, with, with great celebration. The people lined the streets and they, they shouted with great thanksgiving and, and, and branches of, of palm trees with, with harps and cymbals, with hymns and songs because there was destroyed a great enemy out of Israel. Judas Maccabeus was a conquering hero. And the people of Christ's day were, were, were looking for someone just like him who would do the same thing to the Roman Empire that, that Judas Maccabeus had done to the Greeks. A lot of people thought Jesus was that guy. For those of that mindset, there was no better time to make a statement than during Passover. The very festival that commemorated God setting his people free from their bondage in Egypt. Jesus, though, had other intentions. The scripture is quite clear about that. We have come to, to know that. Jesus would, would enter Jerusalem that Passover not as a conquering hero, but as one who came in peace, ushering in a kingdom of a different sort. Jesus had everything planned out. He calculated his every move. In fact, you, you get a sense that that was not only taking place there on that first Sunday as he entered the city, but the same thing began to play out all through the last week of his life. He had calculated his every move. He didn't want there to be any mistaking who he was and the sort of kingdom that he had come to establish. Jesus sent his disciples, two of them anyway, to a village near, near Bethany where there was a, a, a cold that had never been ridden. And those two disciples were to go and retrieve that, that cold. The two disciples must have thought that what Jesus asked them to do was a bit unusual. Even so, they were willing to oblige. Now, there's a question there for each and every one of us to consider. Are you willing to obey even when you don't fully understand what Jesus might be asking you to do, what he may be wanting you to do in your life? And we all know from experience that we don't always fully understand. But are we at the place to obey, to follow his lead into what he has for us? If you're anything like me, you would, would like to know what, what you're getting into, uh, why you're, 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 go, you're going to be doing it, and, and what the eventual uh, outcome will, will be. In other words, all of us, at least to varying degrees, like to know what's, what's going on. We like to fully understand. When it comes to obedience, everything doesn't always have to add up. We don't always have to fully understand. We, we just need 
to obey. The life of faith calls us more times than not to see in a mirror dimly. And we're doing that all the time. You know that great verse from 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The life of faith, to a large degree, is walking step by step under the leadership of Christ. Even though we may see as if in a mirror dimly, we still follow. The scripture has it that that as the two disciples are about to retrieve the colt, there was understandably those around who asked, what in the world are you doing? They probably thought the disciples were, were stealing that cult. It would have been analogous to, say, Grand Theft Auto back in the day. The, the disciples responded just as Jesus instructed them. The Lord needs it. That seemed to, to satisfy those who were questioning them. Again, you get the sense that Jesus had everything planned out. Everything down to a T. You, you get the sense of that as, as he had planned that, that statement, the Lord needs it, as if the people on the other end of, of, of hearing that would have, would have recognized exactly what Jesus was trying to do. It was code, if you will, for releasing the colt into the right hands. How is it that you respond when the request the Lord has need of it, comes your way. And that question comes a, a lot in, in varied sorts of ways. The Lord has need of it, whether it involves something you have, some amount of money, some investment of your time, some offer of your talent, or even more importantly, the Lord has need of your life. Do you find yourself ready to respond when you hear uh, that uh, phrase, the Lord has need of it? And are you indeed ready to respond as the Lord would lead? Back in those days, uh, a colt that had not been uh, ridden was often set aside for a sacred purpose. And as we have come to know, there was nothing more sacred than, than what Christ was about to do. Certainly as he entered into Jerusalem, but as the days began to unfold, as, as things were leading to the cross, we know that there was nothing more sacred than what Jesus was doing. The fact that the colt was more than likely a young donkey brought to to mind for those who had gathered along that road of, of Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. A great passage that we studied a couple of summers ago from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It, it goes like this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious as he riding on the back of a donkey, on a colt, the, the foal of a donkey, 
When a king went to war, he rode on a horse. When he came in peace, he came on a donkey. The kingdom Jesus sought to establish was a kingdom of peace. And Jesus wanted to get that across. I have to tell you that I've been, I've been praying for peace. And I hope that, uh, that you have as well. I was praying for, for peace before the, the first shot was fired into the Ukraine. I fervently asked God to intervene, and, and I trust that he will. Selfishness, self-interest, and pride have, has, has gotten in the way of all of that. The, the war that is in Ukraine is such a pointless and, and, and needless war. I trust that we are consistently and courageously praying for peace, standing on the right side of peace, and that we work for it and, and, and toward it at every turn. Let's pray for peace and, and, and work for that every day of our lives, whether it involves the, the Ukraine or some other circumstance where, where there is discord and strife. There are all sorts of instances of that near and far. And as we've repeated from that old song so many times, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Cloaks were laid down before Jesus as he, uh, he entered into Jerusalem. Palm branches were waved in honor of the one who is coming in the name of the Lord. What are you laying down to honor Christ? How are you bringing him glory? Is a consistent question that is asked every Palm Sunday. How are you honoring Christ with your life as you're laying down your life for his sake? The answers to these questions have everything to do with how you live your life. Not just on Palm Sunday, but every day of your life. Honoring Christ, bringing him glory, has everything to do with what we say and what we do in this life. It strikes to the, to the heart of what it means to, to worship the Lord. You see, words ring hollow if they're not followed up by right actions. And right actions always fall flat if we don't define with our words the very things that we're doing. Let us then honor and, and praise our Lord by both what we say and what we do. It's easy to do that on Sunday. And in particular, it's very easy to do that on Palm Sunday. It's another thing entirely to do that the other days of the week. That sort of thing plays out during Holy Week as uh, Christ continues to, to make his way through that important, sacred, holy week. Uh, we find that sort of thing playing out in our own lives where we're strong, say, on Sunday, but then things begin to, to play out during the, the other days of the week. We, we find ourselves growing fickle during the week. We, we certainly can waver. You know, you remember from the Easter cantata that was presented just a couple of weeks ago, a part of the narration really lifts that up. 
very clearly talks about, about those who offered their hosannas on Sunday very well may have been some of the people who later in the week, particularly on, uh, on Friday, who yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. I've often thought about the mindset of those who line the streets the, the day of Christ's triumphant entry. They laid down their cloaks. They, they waved their branches. They shouted their hosannas. But could it have been that those same people were, were, were some of the same later in the week who yelled, crucify him, crucify him? Everybody likes a good parade, not so much a crucifixion, particularly the crucifixion of one so, so good and, and so, so loving. Clearly, those who lined the streets upon Christ's triumphant entry hadn't fully grasped what Jesus was trying to do. Even though Christ had been very clear about that all through his ministry, those who persevered, though, through the entirety of Christ last week would indeed come to understand. There may have been confusion early in the week at the triumphant entry, but as they made their way to the cross, sure, some confusion and disillusionment, but once Jesus rose from the dead, all things began to come clear. Those who persevered would fully understand as they made their way through the entirety of the last week of Christ's life, leading to his eventual resurrection. And so there's both a challenge and an opportunity for us this week. Today, we celebrate the triumphant entry. On Thursday, we observe what took place in the upper room. On Friday, we, we stand at the very foot of the cross. And then our journey leads us to the grand day of Easter. The grand celebration that Jesus has risen from the dead as we, too, walk the journey with Christ throughout the entirety of the week, as we, as we face its challenge as, as well as its opportunity, we will find ourselves understanding as well. We, too, will, will draw closer to Christ, who He is and what He was attempting to do. We will find our lives turned, our lives changed and revolutionized by the grand good news that Christ not only entered Jerusalem to the shouts of acclamation of uh, those who gathered along the street, we'll find ourselves not just standing uh, despondent at the foot of the cross trying to understand what had just taken place. No, all will come together as we walk through the entirety of the Holy Week experience, bringing us to Easter, where Jesus is celebrated as the risen Christ, and in that, we will fully understand who Jesus is and what he is attempting to do in our lives. Let's rejoice today. Let's continue to rejoice. Let's step into this week Live it to the full. Let Christ do with you what he will. And in that, as we reassemble on Sunday morning, hence, 
may we find ourselves rejoicing profoundly and deeply over the great thing that God has done through his Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. And God, we do thank you for the great gift that is Christ. We are thankful that in this uh, great day where we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, may we find ourselves ready to respond, to be obedient, to lay down our lives in worship and praise to the one who has come. Lord, we pray that as we anticipate the days ahead, we pray that you would do with us what you will. We pray that our hearts are open every minute of this week to the very things that you long to teach us, to the very things that you long for us to experience. You are great and greatly to be praised. How we thank you for the week ahead. Lord, how we thank you for this day of worship where we are able to offer our hosannas your way. How we thank you for your son Jesus, the one who has come to usher in a brand new kingdom. Lord, we seek to lay down our lives to him. And in that, may we find ourselves citizens of that kingdom, promoting your peace, your love, and your good news wherever we may be found. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.